0: Good morning, friends. Today's topic, where is God when we need him? I'd suggest that you grab your Bibles, open them to Isaiah chapter 40, because we're going to kind of take a deep dive into some of the words of that text. In chapter 40, Isaiah writes to his own people, a nation in exile in Babylon. And in their despair, they wondered if God had forgotten them completely. In reply, the prophet reminds them of the incomparable greatness of God. You see, for Isaiah, everything begins and ends with God. It's a great way to live life. You see, nothing in life can be understood apart from him. To a people whose faith had come to a breaking point, Isaiah points them back to God. His words speak to everybody who's struggling at a break point of life today. And I know it seems like we've been living in this break point of life all the way through 2020 and now into 2021. So with that in mind, let's consider the principle, the promise, and the prospect. Let's start with the principle, and it goes to verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. As I look at that verse, I note four vital truths about God. First of all, he's the everlasting God. That means he's totally reliable. I mean, he's everlasting. He didn't have any beginning, no end. I mean, take a line and draw it from infinity to infinity. And when you come to the end of infinity, well, that's where you'll find God. He stands above and beyond anything we can imagine. There are no deficiencies in him. He does not decay, doesn't change. And so we pray and we hear his answer. We pray, Lord, can you take care of my problem? And he says, it's no problem to me. Lord, have you seen this before? Oh, yeah, I've seen it many times. Lord, you don't believe the mess I'm in. <laughs> Try me. Lord, will you be there when I need you? Well, friend, I was there before you were here, and I'll still be here after you are gone. Well, second, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. That means he's all-powerful. I mean, no problem can be too great for him because he made the things that are causing you the problem. So again, we ask, Lord, can you handle it? And He says, handle it. i made it. Now, if you ever bought a new car or a new computer or any new appliance, it generally comes with a warranty. That warranty guarantees the item for a specific period of time. The manufacturer warranties the item because he made it. He stands behind it because his reputation is on the line. And he knows how to fix it because he designed it and put it together. Well, verse 28 is the believer's warranty for all of life's problems. And God's warranty does not end after 90 days or... Five years or 20,000 miles, it'll last forever. The third thing is he never grows weary, and that means he's continually available. Now, that word weary is what happens when you work to the point of exhaustion. Well, that never happens to God because his strength has no limits. He's never too tired to help us, never too preoccupied with somebody else's problems to listen. His tank never runs out of gas. And if I put it into human terms, he never answers so many prayers one day that he can't get out of bed the next day. And he never tires of helping his children. The fourth thing I want you to think about is his understanding no one can fathom. That means he's absolutely trustworthy. He has perfect insight into your life, which means he understands things about you that you don't even understand about yourself. See, we see life through a a keyhole with all of our problems filling our field of vision until we can see nothing else. But God always sees the big picture, the really big picture. He sees the whole universe, all of it at the same time, past, present, and future. And he sees it in a panoramic sweep and in the minutest detail. So he's never stumped by our problems. He is never baffled by our questions. He is never confused by our confusion. let's move on now to the promise. And this principle leads us to a promise that comes in two parts. Look at verse 29. It tells us here that God will supply strength in our weakness. It reads, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. I hope you notice the words here, and if you underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline, first of all, strength. Because strength refers to the ability to act in the moment of crisis. It speaks of endurance in hard time. The next word you might want to underline is might. It's the power to reproduce. It speaks of vigor and vitality. And that third word is power. It means the ability to do whatever needs to be done. And in this context, it means that you will have whatever you need whenever you need it to do whatever needs to be done. It literally refers to power in your bones. That is, to physical power to keep on going. Now, the second thing God will do it because we all need it. In verse 30, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. So you see, friends, even the strongest of the strong lose heart, give away. I mean, we all have to stop and rest eventually. I mean, no one can take the strain of life forever. And as the late Tom Landry, the former coach of the Dallas Cowboys, liked to say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Let's move on to the third point here, and that's the prospect. And we're at verse 31 here, and I want you to note two key phrases in this verse as I read it. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what are those two key phrases? Well, how about wait for the Lord? Now, some translations say wait upon the Lord. Uh, the Amplified Bible adds this in brackets: Who expect, look for, and hope in Him. See, waiting is perhaps the hardest discipline of the Christ follower's life. Now, but most of us hate to wait. I know I do. I mean, our text reminds us that we are not waiting for the latest medical breakthrough, or even for a message from our loved ones, or a new job, or the end of a prison sentence, or for an offer of a better job, or a check for a million dollars. We're waiting for the Lord. So do you understand that we are not waiting for something? We are waiting for someone. So this is not waiting with passive resignation. You know, It's it's hopeless. I can't do anything about it. Waiting for the Lord is the highest expression of our faith. I know God is going to resolve this situation. I do not know how. I don't know when. But I know he's going to do it. I'm not giving up. I'm waiting on him. Now here's the connection with the trials of life I've been talking about. Waiting on the Lord means that even in those moments you make a mental choice to trust in the living God who is all sufficient for your needs and say, I'm going on with my life. Well, not without some doubt and often with tears, but I'm going to go on nonetheless. I mean, waiting does not mean doing nothing. Waiting for the Lord means I'm totally convinced that God is at work in this awful situation, this pandemic, this COVID, you name it, even though I can't see it at the moment. Therefore, I will not let this thing overwhelm me, because being overwhelmed will not solve the problem anyway. By God's grace, I will do the next thing that needs to be done, trusting that God is at work behind the scenes. So that little step forward, whatever it is, is a step of faith. Waiting is not passive, friends. It's active, because you believe God is at work in the midst of this crisis. The second phrase is renew their strength. Now, this is the heart of God's promise. It is his word to weary people who feel like they just can't keep going on. I mean, last year is pretty long. 2021 seems like it's going to be a long year as well. But the word renew actually means to exchange one thing for another. It was used of changing clothes. And in this passage, it means to exchange your weakness for God's strength. Now, this is a wonderful promise because no matter how desperate your situation is, he's got more strength than you've got weakness. I mean, God doesn't change like we do. His strength doesn't lessen over time. I mean, the Lord of the universe has more strength than you've got problems. And our text explains how his strength will help us. And this passage shows us life in three different ways. First of all, strength to soar. It says, mount up with wings like eagles. Now This is what happens when you have so much energy and you have so much enthusiasm that you just can't wait to get out of bed. You rise above your problems with exuberant joy. And then there's strength to run. It says run and not be weary. Now, This is the God-given ability to withstand enormous pressure. I mean, you have unusual strength that you know does not come from yourself. It's what happens when you say, man, I don't know how I made it through that, but I did. And the third one is strength to walk. It says, walk and not faint. This is stability in the commonplace affairs of life. I mean, walking without fainting is the ability to get up every day, day after day, after day, after day, and do what needs to be done, facing the irritations of life without flinching, and with reasonably good humor. Now, I think walking is placed last because it's the daily need of every child of God. And in that sense, it's the highest attainment of faith. Walking is more remarkable than running or soaring precisely because walking is the real stuff of life. Walking is not exciting, but it'll get the job done. Galatians 5.16, Paul actually says we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. See, walking implies steady progress in one direction by means of deliberate choices over a long period of time. To walk in the Spirit means something like let your conduct be directed by the Holy Spirit or make progress in your life by relying on the Holy Spirit. It has the idea of allowing this resident president to guide every part of your life on a daily basis. Now, I'll grant you, walking is slow compared with driving a car or taking a plane. It's not particularly flashy. And sometimes walking can be tedious, it's slow, it's dull, it's drab, and Uh, depending where you walk, could be downright boring. And yet, if you need to get from point A to point B, walking will get you there eventually. All you have to do is just start walking and do not stop until you arrive. Now, walking in the Spirit is not some mystical experience reserved for a few special Christ followers. It's God's design for normal Christian living. It is nothing more than choosing, by God's grace, to take tiny steps in the right direction, day after day after day after day. So, what are the lessons for today? I think we can summarize this marvelous text in three ways. First of all, our greatest need is to look up and see the sufficiency of our God. You see, friends, as long as you look at your problems, you are not looking at God. When you look at your problems, when you just focus on everything that's happened in the last year, year and a half, they're going to seem sometimes way too big for you to handle, because in the last analysis, they are. I mean, who among us is equal to the truly daunting issues of life? We're not equal to divorce, the death of a friend, the ruin of a career, a vicious rumor being spread against us, a a massive financial setback, a pandemic, I mean, elections are... Our children, you know, entering the armed forces and going off for battle, our parents getting older, the collapse of cherished dreams, the end of a long friendship, a, you know, severe depression, a disabled child, a massive heart attack, you name it. Who is sufficient for these things? Yet they come and we find ways to cope. But we're not equal to them and sometimes our troubles come in waves and sometimes the waves utterly overwhelm us. Now, when this happens, we need to remember the words of Romans 8:26 and 27, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, the word helps pictures someone trying to carry an enormous log who has fallen and is trapped underneath it until I suppose you could say Paul Bunyan comes along to carry the log in his own shoulders. In the same way, the Holy Spirit comes to us in our weakness and prays for us. In those moments of utter desperation when we can't do anything more than utter, Oh, Jesus, we should not berate ourselves. To cry out in desperation, Lord, have mercy, may be the sincerest prayer we've ever prayed. And in a sense, those three words lie at the heart of all true prayer. You see, it's not the magnitude of my problems that matter. It's the magnitude of my God that makes a difference. Ask yourself this question, is God big enough enough? to meet your needs. Here's the second thing we're going to take away today. Our greatest danger is resisting the work of God in our lives. You know something it's going to sound crazy, but it could be a good thing to hit rock bottom if it causes us to look up and see the Lord. I mean sometimes we need to be stripped of the things in which we've trusted so that our trust might be in God alone. I mean who are the truly strong people of this world? I don't think it's the people who live out in Hollywood. I don't think it's the people whose exploits we follow on television. I think the strongest people on earth are those who have discovered their own weaknesses and have turned to the unlimited resources of God. I mean, show me a person who says, only God can get me out of this, and I will show you an excellent candidate for a miracle. If someone says, I've come to the end of my rope, God says, wrap yourselves around me and I'll be your strength. You see, when we are weak, then we are strong in the Lord. Here's our third takeaway. Our greatest hope is exchanging our weakness for his strength. You know, we're invited to wait on the Lord. We are promised an exchange. God will fit the supply to our moment-by-moment need. Do we need to fly? Do we need to run? Do we need to walk? It will be given. The unlimited power of God flows into our unfailing humanity on the simple condition of waiting on the Lord. Are we weary? Are we discouraged? Are we confused? I mean, these words describe all of us from time to time, but we are at length delivered by God and our weaknesses exchanged exchange for his strength. Now, if that sounds somehow mysterious and even mystical, I grant that it is so. I can offer no empirical proof except the promise of God and the testimony of millions and millions of believers who have found those words to be true. We mount up with wings as eagles. We run and are not weary. We walk and we do not faint. Here, then, is the promise for all of us. God will give all the help we need because he has all the strength and the power in the universe. In fact, he has so much of it that it never runs out and we will never come to the end of it. So it all depends on who God is. Now, to say, I've got no place to go but to the Lord is like saying, I've got nothing to breathe but air. You see, friends, the issue is not your problems. The issue is God. If God is who he says he is, then you have got every reason to be grateful and every reason to be full of hope and every reason to keep believing in the midst of your problems. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's God's promise. And you can take that to the bank. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.